would you give a great big warm welcome, amen, to Bear Boyle tonight and let him know how much you love him and appreciate him and his family tonight. Amen. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord.
when I was in uh, my junior year of high school, we had a we had a really great basketball team in high school, and uh, I set the bench, and uh, we had five, six seniors that really dominated the play, and we had a group of underclassmen behind them, and and then uh, I was part of the the bench team and and uh so we went deep into the playoffs and and into state and then the season was over and we walked into the next season which is what we would call a rebuilding year looking out across my senior class and seeing the lack of talent that we had our coach decided he would go back to basics after the first few games of us getting blown out and we walked in on a, on a Wednesday morning for athletic class after a Tuesday night game where we had got throttled and, and uh, he had a box sitting there and he said, all right, everybody, reach in this box and get you one. And I didn't know what it was and so I, I reached in there and it was a visor. Not a visor that goes on your head right here, it was a visor that went under your eyes right here went around strapped around like glasses and it went right here and we all laughed and we just held them he said i said put them on and a few of them put them on and i think one of them might even said uh what are we doing and he said uh we're getting back to the basics and he stood there and we all stood there together and he said i watched you guys play last night he said the defense whenever they approached you you forgot about everything that you'd ever been taught in your life and you looked down and you started watching yourself dribble the ball because you had no confidence. He said, I watched you with your heads get down. I watched as your eyes got down and I watched as you know what to do, but in fear, you lost sight of the, of the goal. I can't help but think that we do that a lot when we come into the house of the Lord. We've we would love for, for ourselves to shake off our day or shake off life circumstances or shake off social media or the news or what's happening all around us. We'd love to be able to play this game of life like we know to do, but unfortunately we've gotten scared and we forgot the basics of life. We forgot the basics of turning first to the Lord. We forgot the basics of giving thanks to the Lord and walking into his courts and into his, his house with praises on our lips. We've forgotten that when we lift our hands, it means we want to get closer to him. That's all it is. It's our way of getting closer to the Lord. We've forgotten that even though we don't know the words of the song, it doesn't mean that they're not true. They're still true. He's the king of our heart, and he's been good to us. He's a gracious God. So tonight, I'm going to ask you to reach into the box, and I'm going to ask you to put on these visors that'll keep you from looking down at the problems of your life that you walked in here with. Why don't we come back to the basics tonight? As a worship leader, it's my job to get kids that are 8 years old on the same page with adults that are 80 years old. That's a challenge. That's a real challenge. So sometimes I simplify it the most that I can, and I sing one-word songs called Hallelujah. That allows us all to get on the same page. And could you imagine 
what would happen if everybody in here was on the same page when it came to worshiping the Lord? Could you imagine what would happen to our community? Could you imagine what would happen to Galena and what would happen to Joplin if, if, if they absolutely knew that there was a hundred people that had gathered themselves together in, in one mindset and in one accord going to bat for them, swinging for the fences to see that, that this community is cared for and, and loved and provided hope. Brother, I'm going to ask you to turn my piano up just a little bit if you will. Why don't, you, why don't you join me and sing this together? Say, Hallelujah. That's it.
Lord, it doesn't look like Revival 2019. It doesn't look like Revival 2010. It doesn't look like Revival 1980, God. It's Revival 2020. Speak to us. Deal with us, God. Lord, deal with our heart. Deal with our mind. Deal with our sin. your blessings in our life. We want your favor in our life. But more than blessings and favor, we want your presence in our life. Set us free, Lord. Set us free. Jesus, you alone are worthy, Lord. You may be seated tonight you're standing and thankful that you stood this long and I'm going to jump down here. Is that okay, Pastor, if it's all right? And I had the opportunity to be with your pastor for lunch today and I can't tell you enough, him and Pastor Brandon as well, what an honor it was to be in their presence uh, at Me Toritos. And uh, God has been so good to, uh, to this church and uh, it was a short visit. <laughs> 
um, but it was meaningful over chips and queso. And um, you have a pastor and an executive pastor that love the Lord with all of their heart. And um, I'm so grateful and so thankful. I'm, I'm thankful to, to hug a lot of necks and to see a lot of people. And I want to say thank you for being here. Um, I said Revival 2020 because I think it's different than anything we've ever uh, been a part of. And I'm hoping it's different than anything I've ever been a part of. That's my prayer. I mean, we've had, uh, if, if you've been in church at all in your life, you understand that we've had some incredible, mighty, mighty moves of the Lord, but they can't be replicated, so why try? Why don't we just go on to 2020 and ask God to do something he's never done in our life? I'm asking for, for miracles. I've been asking for, for miracles for the past year in my life, and, and, um, and, and I... If you have an incurable illness, I want you to know if you don't believe that he can heal you, I will stand in the gap and believe for you. I really will. If you have something emotionally heartbreaking in your life and, and, and soul-wrenching in your life, I want you to know that, that I'll stand in the gap for you. If you can't understand or you can't get through and you can't fight through the wall uh, to, to get past the, the brokenness in your life, I'll stand in the gap because I've seen it in my own life how he has taken the broken and he has healed it. And I wish to everything there wasn't a scar. But at the same time, it might be the most beautiful scar I've ever seen. And for some odd reason, that scar is so visible to a lot of people when they walk up and they say, what's God done in your life because something's different? And I, I see this scar on you and, and, I, and I'd love to be able to hide it. <laughs> I'd love to be able to put a tie on and, and hide it. But it just doesn't work that way. Instead, I've got a scar that everybody sees that I live out every single day. And instead of being ashamed about it, I couldn't be more grateful. Couldn't be more thankful that he would choose me to fix. That he would choose me to love. We have a lot of churches in this country. We have a lot of different titles and a lot of different names, and we are overfed and overmusicked and overhospitalized and <laughs> everything under the sun. We're overserved at times. We we have made this the most simple thing. We we have overfed ourselves. I, my good friends Troy and Sandra Thiessen, uh Jill and I, before we had kids, we lived with them for for a few months, and uh, some of the best times of my life. They uh, fed me more than I could ever imagine <laughs> in, in multiple ways. And, uh, um, but one time they went out of town and, uh, and we were to watch their place for them. And uh, we were like, sure, we'll watch your place. Not a problem. And, uh, and they had cattle. And uh, I didn't know much about cattle, but how hard can it be? <laughs> and so they seemed to be pretty self-sustaining. And I didn't have to do too much. And there was a, a big bin there with plenty of food and plenty of feed. And, and Troy and Sandra were scheduled to come back. And, and uh, somehow one of, the, one of the cattle had knocked the lever on the feed bin. And all the feed had come out in a massive mountain of feed underneath there. And I was panicked because I, all I could see was dollar signs. And I just, he gave me one job, one job, and I failed miserably. And, and Jill and I are like, what are we going to do? And I'm calling Troy. I'm like, hey. And uh, I said, how's your trip? He's like, good. We're on our way back. 
when are you going to be here? <laughs> you know, and he said, just a few hours. Oh, and so Jill and I, we, we found a bucket and they had a ladder that went up the side of this feed bin and we found a bucket and I just continually one arm after another put that feed back in the top of the bucket back in the top of the bucket until all of a sudden it dawned on us which I don't know why it took us so long why don't we just bring all the cattle in and let them eat it then it'll be gone and they'll never know did you know that cows can overeat I didn't know that cows can overeat I've, we took pictures, we laughed, just like cattle aren't smart enough to, to know sometimes, we as sheep also can sit in here and overeat if we're not careful and never do anything with it. You have an amazing facility. You have an amazing pastor, you have an amazing staff, an amazing worship team, and, and they spoon feed every week the gospel. They spoon feed the answer. They spoon feed the scripture. And if you're not careful, what will end up happening is you'll count on Pastor Sean to lead you into the presence instead of yourself leading yourself into the presence. You'll count on Pastor Josh to bring you the word instead of you opening your word. We do it a lot, and I'm asking that Revival 2020 be something different than we've ever had before. I'm asking that we become more missional. I'm asking that we become more bold in our faith, not in our opinion, but in our faith. Listen, there's a lot more people that know more Scripture than I do by memory. There's a lot more people that are better singers, better piano players. They know more chords. They know they, know they can... They can tickle the ivories much prettier and much more pleasant than I do but they can't tell my story they can't tell your story and my expectation and my prayer for 2020 is that revival gives us a boldness to start telling our story because nobody can tell your story like you and I don't know if you remember this long ago or not, but there was a time that God reached down and saved you. He fixed you. You were broken. Whether you were born in the church or not, you were broken. And he, and he fixed you. And in that process of, of fixing, there came a lot of pain, but in that, in, that, in that pain came a process of getting better and better and better. But I just wanted to, to be brief with you tonight and tell you this. And this is what each night will look like. I want to I tell you what God's done for my life. And, and I won't go into detail. And, 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 but I want you to know that the storms of your life can also shape your life. Whatever storms you've walked through, that's what shapes you. We all walk with regret. But at the same time, it's also what shapes us. It gives us our perception. It gives us our viewpoint. It determines how high on the mountain or how low in the valley we see the problem. That's why in Psalms it says, I lift my eyes to the mountain. That's where my help comes from. It's true, he's with us in the valley, but your perspective in the valley is far different than on top of the mountain. You see what I'm saying? Depression happens in the valley. Discouragement happens in the valley. Better perspective happens on the mountain. Encouragement happens on the mountain. So we lift our eyes to the mountain because that's where our help comes from.
And I want to use one guy, one guy in the Bible. His name's Jonah. My heart resonates with Jonah. Man, does my heart resonate with Jonah. And we all know Jonah. We know him for one thing. Dude got swallowed up by a big fish. That's what we know him for. And here's what we know. We know his punishment was that he got swallowed by a fish. That's what we're taught in Sunday school. That's, what we're, that's how we're developed. If you don't do what God tells you, you're going to get swallowed by a fish and you're going to get punished. Do you know, though, that that's not the right story? And I say it again. Don't you know that being swallowed by a fish for Jonah wasn't the sin and it wasn't because of the sin? Being swallowed by a fish was his salvation. He was thrown overboard and he was drowning. And God sent a fish to save him. We always view it as he got thrown overboard and a fish come and swallowed him because he was, he was running from God. No. He was drowning and he was dying, so God sent a fish to save him. Here's the tricky part about that is that the fish sometimes is smelly. It's gross. Gives you a walk of life you've never experienced. And it makes you alone. But I'm here to tell you that being swallowed by a fish is not the worst thing that can happen in your life. It might be the absolute best thing that could happen in your life. Because our storms shape our life. If you go back into that story with Jonah, God called him. Brandon, he, he said, Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to preach the message and uh, I'm going to use you um, and uh, I'm going to uh, turn a whole city around because of you. Here's the unique situation. Nineveh was a political enemy to everything that Jonah had known. It would be China-esque. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I'll be here all night. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And I'm wondering why he, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. What feelings did he have towards the Ninevites? What feelings did he have? Did he not think that God could save them? Surely he did. Then what else was it? Why did he not want to go to them? Why did he not want to reach out to them? So he ran. Finds himself on a boat. The storms are coming. And the people on the boat got scared. And they threw him over. They left him alone. They abandoned him. They left him isolated. Can you imagine the feelings that Jonah was having? And I'm going to bring it down to where we are today. Mr. or Mrs. Male or female in this room. Whatever problem you're having. At some point in your life, God called you and he spoke to you. And he's asked you to live a certain way. Maybe he's asked you to go this direction. Maybe he's asked you to go this direction. Somewhere in the presence of the Lord in your life, he spoke really clear to you. In a long life's journey, you have done a detour and haven't gone the exact path that he asked you to go. And time after time after time, you have faced storms, knowing in the back of your mind, I should have just listened to the Lord. I should have just listened to the Lord. 
And with every step of facing each storm, it has begun to shape your life differently than what you ever expected. Later on in the Bible, it says that Jonah went on to Nineveh after the fish spit him out. He went back to, he went on to Nineveh and held the greatest revival recorded in, in the Bible. A revival that brought even the animals to the Lord. It says even the dogs to the Lord. That's a revival. <laughs> I got a dog that needs the Lord. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, she's cute, but she needs Jesus. <laughs> Could it be in your life that God spoke to you at one time or another, like he did me when I was 13 years old, sitting on the fourth row of a camp meeting pew, and said, I want you to preach the gospel, and I want you to communicate me to others. But along life's way, I chose different things, and, and each thing I chose that wasn't where he asked me or what he asked me to do set me into another storm and that storm and then this storm, and then ultimately this storm it, it shaped my life differently than I ever imagined it would shape it. You see what I'm saying? We make decisions as young adults that ultimately shape our life different than maybe the, the course he had laid out. We make decisions as grown-ups that ultimately shape our life differently than what we thought was going to play out. Over the last two and a half to three years of my life, when things got flipped upside down, and I've heard people say everything from, uh, God knew your stupidity would come into play when he called you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. And then I've heard people say, um, his calling is irrevocable. Stay the course, okay? And then I've heard people say, don't quit singing, don't quit worshiping, don't quit playing, don't quit preaching, okay? But we gotta get you back on the platform, get you back on the platform, get you back on the platform, and, okay? I've heard a lot of things that, that helped shape my perception and shape my life, and I wondered often about Jonah when it came to the friendships he had and the relationships and the advice he was given along the way. And why did God use a fish? And I wonder, I wonder if it was because a fish would guarantee that he was alone with God's voice. Because there's a lot of advice out there during the storms of your life that are going to push you one way or push you another way. You did what? Well, don't do it again. Go this direction. You did what? Well, don't do it again. Go this direction. You know what you should have done? You should have done this. We have a lot of should have done's in our life. I've got a friend that every time I'm with him, he tells me what I should have done. Hey, I was thinking about going to Dairy Queen today. You want to go? Hey, you know what you should have done? Should have, you, you got friends like Everybody's an expert, you know, in some field or another. But I'm wondering about Jonah, and I'm sitting here, and I'm playing this out in my head that the storm of his life shaped his life into the greatest revivalist ever recorded in the Bible. The storms of my life have shaped my life to what I'm doing today. As gut-wrenching and as smelly as the belly of a whale could be, it's also life-giving and life-saving. God speaks to Jonah. Jonah disobeys. Jonah goes his own way. A storm moves in and wrecks havoc on his life. Jonah is abandoned and left alone for dead. A fish swallows and saves him. Jonah realizes the depth of what's happening and tells the Lord, I will go to Nineveh. 
the fish then spits him out different than when he swallowed him to begin with. I want to say that again. The fish then spits him out different than when he swallowed him to begin with. Jonah then goes to Nineveh to proclaim God's judgment and tell them to repent. They repent even to the point the animals repent. God shows mercy because they repented. Here's the tricky part. I wish the story ended there. Jonah then gets angry but doesn't say why. Sets up a camp to see what happens. God gave provision even though, uh, even though through shade and through a gourd. Jonah then gets angry at the shade that goes away. Jonah wants to die. Sounds like reality TV. God says to Jonah, you're upset about the gourd I created which provided the shade for your pain. You didn't create it. You didn't water it. You didn't nurture it. You didn't do anything to help it grow, but now you're angry about it. Doesn't that sound about like our life? We get angry, we get frustrated, we ask questions, we go back and forth with the Lord, even through His provision. Even through uh, our, our despair, even through the storms of our life, when He has been so faithful when no one else was. I'm going to read that part again. God says to Jonah, you're upset about the gourd I created, which provided the shade for your pain. You didn't create it. You didn't water it. You didn't nurture it. And you didn't do anything to help the gourd grow. But now you're angry about it. And here's the kicker at the very end of this. There's no recorded answer for Jonah. When the Lord lectures him and talks to him and speaks very black and white to him, Jonah has nothing else to say to him. And I think in my life and I think in our life together as a whole, we get to a point where it's oftentimes like a marriage and the conversations go back and forth. You're trying to figure it out. You're bottling it up. You're working through the situations in your marriage. You're working through the situations in your life. You're dealing with the situations with your kids and you get to the end of it and there's just no more answer. You don't have anything left to say. And that's where we find ourselves all collectively right here, right now, tonight. If Revival 2020 is to look different than it's ever looked before, we've got to get past the point that we don't have anything left to say. Because we've hit this point time after time after time. I remember in 2015, God moved in my life. I went to a certain point of the cliff and I almost jumped and I, almost, I was there. It was going to be great, but I just backed up. I remember back in 2007 when God really moved in my life and I went right to the point. I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I almost jumped for him, but I wasn't quite there. So what did I do? I had no answer. And we find ourselves time after time again, the storms of life have just reoccurring, reoccurring and going over and over and over. And we have no answer. We have tension in the news. We have tension in our cities. We have tension in our communities. We have anger in our communities. And we have no answer. We have nobody. Nobody that's pointing anybody to Jesus. And we have everybody pointing them to statues. And pointing them to history. And pointing them to our own experience. But very few voices are pointing them to Jesus. I'm the most guilty. I'm the chiefest of them. Sometimes I feel like it this way, and I'll just say it. When it comes to social media, if I just don't say anything, it'll be okay. 
And there, there is cause to say amen during that time because that would help. But I've got, got 4,000 people that if I just said, hey, Jesus is the answer, can we meet and have coffee and talk about Jesus? I'm a firm believer that one moment with Jesus can cure all. I'm a firm believer of it. Now, I'm not denying things are going on. I'm just saying I'm a firm believer because it was one moment with Jesus that cured my life. And that's all I have to base off of. I'm, I'm just simply saying one moment with Jesus is better than a lifetime on the couch at the counselor. I know it to be true because I've lived it. And at 45 years old, being in ministry for 26 years, I'm exhausted of talking about things that I really haven't experienced in my life. I want to talk about things that I know for sure. I want to talk about the redeeming value of people because he died on a cross for you. And if grace is for everybody, then it's for you too. And there's nothing you can do that'll separate you from the love of God. I want to share that with people. I want to smile at them. I want to love on them. I want to hug them. I want to say, I don't know what you've done and I don't even care because he cares and he knows. And he'll walk with you and he'll talk with you and he'll tell you that you're his. I don't have a spoon to feed you all the time. It's not fair for Pastor Sean to usher you into the presence every time that you're down. That's going to leave you short and it's going to leave him empty. It's not fair for Pastor Josh to make sure you get to heaven. That's not fair. It's going to leave you disappointed and it's going to leave him unfulfilled and living in insecurity because he can't do that. It's not even fair. It's not even fair. I know this is strange. It's not even fair for Brandon to make sure your ministry dreams come true. <laughs> right? Okay, he, he just fell out in spirit. I just know he did. <laughs> That's not fair for him. It's going to leave you disappointed and it's going to leave him upset. I can tell you and I can attest to this 100%. It's not fair that Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Sarah make sure that every part of you is connected as the connected pastor. Somewhere, you're going to have to connect with somebody without them. You see what I'm saying? This is, this is what the body of Christ is. You got hands over here. You got hands over here. You got head, heart, hands, feet. Get in touch with each other. Let Christ, the brain of this whole thing, direct you. Reach out. Reach out to someone. You see what I'm saying? Because your storm of life, you don't know this, but that scar that you're hiding is going to connect with somebody right over here. Because they got a scar they've been hiding and you didn't even know it. And all of a sudden your scars are going to come together and you're going to say, hey, man, I... I don't want to say anything, but I just, I feel like I need to tell you, God's been so good to my family. Um, we were on the verge of, of losing it all, but man, his grace was there. And they're going to say, hold up. You mean he's been good to your family like he's been good to my family? And all of a sudden you're going to connect in a way that you never knew because the storms of life are shaping you together. If you feel led to Galena 
If you feel led to attend this church, to cross the state line, the massive divide of six miles, <laughs> if you feel led to do that, there's a reason. Your story in the storms that you've walked through, they're not in vain. They weren't for nothing. Hey, if God pulled you through it, there's a reason, right? And as ashamed as you are, and as much, as much regret as you have, your story has value. Your story has more value than you could ever imagine. I would dare think that Jonah, somewhere along the way, and this is a complete paraphrase and not theological at all, Somewhere along the way says, really? I'm remembered because I got swallowed by a fish? He has the, re the largest recorded revival in history, but no one ever mentions it. And he's like, come on. We feel the same way. I don't want to go down in history. I don't want my legacy to be that I messed up my life and laid there all by myself alone. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants the history of, uh, and I'm just going to start rapid firing here. Nobody wants the history of, of being a liar. Nobody wants the history of being a thief. How about the poor thief on the cross? That's literally his name. <laughs> the thief on the cross. He had a name, but nobody calls him it. Nobody wants that. We start the story out by saying... You guys remember Jonah, don't you? He got swallowed by a fish. And that's the way that our culture plays out the narratives of our life. Now listen, this is twofold. The storms of our life shape us. But the storms of our life don't identify us. And I mean that. Don't let the storm of your life identify you. You say, Barry, you don't know what happened to me when I was 19 years old. You don't know uh, how, how I was treated and how I was abused. I don't know. And that's a storm that has shaped your perspective and shaped your life. But I want to tell you, it's not your identifier. It's not your identifier. That's not your name. Victim is not your name. There's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. It's yours. Pain is not your name. Insecurity is no longer your name. Regret is not your title. You're a child of God. And you're going to come to a point in your life where the joy inside of your heart for what he saved trumps the shame and regret that you carry and walk with. And it's hard. I and mean, maybe you're not there. Maybe you've been carrying this for 40 years. Maybe you don't know how to act. I'm a smiler by nature. Playing, playing ball growing up, I, I was a baseball kid. I just loved baseball. My boys loved baseball. Growing all the way up through baseball, even into high school, I'm a smiler. And I would remember that my parents sitting on the, uh, in their lawn chair on the side over here, and I remember hearing my coach if I was getting disgruntled because I was a pitcher, when you're the pitcher, you control the pace of the game. Everything rides and falls on the pitcher's shoulders. 
And if I was rattled, my smile would go away and I would remember hearing my coaches, hearing the parents, hearing my parents specifically say, smile, smile, smile. There was a moment in my life a few years ago when my smile went away. When the pain was so bad it went away. I couldn't get the smile to happen. But God's redeeming power brought the smile back and made it different than ever before. And he'll do the exact same for you. Maybe it's been years since you've let out the joy of knowing Jesus as your Savior. Maybe it's been years, tens of years, that you've literally stood up and said, you know what? I'm a man of God. I'm a woman of God. I don't get it right all the time, but God's been too good to me for me to sit here and wallow in my pain any longer. You're tired of being known for being swallowed by a fish. You're ready to be known as the greatest revivalist in the country. And you can start by being known as the greatest revivalist in your family. You can. Just follow after God's own heart. This is a prayer and focus revival night. I'm going to wrap up right now. and My heart is tethered to you. I want you to know that. My kids have had the best time being here. Troy and Sondra have spoiled them, loved on them. They've walked through the door and they're like, I love this place, Dad. The people, the hearts that are here, we're tethered to you. Sean, I'm grateful for you, bro. I don't know you well enough to know all the things you've probably walked through in your life, but I know a worship pastor when I see a worship pastor because that's who I am. I know the stress you carry. I know the, the, the pain you feel. I know the joy you carry. I know the Sunday evening funk you get into. I get it. <laughs> I get it all. And I want you to know that you're an incredible man. You're an incredible guy. You're going to be an incredible father. You're going to be an incredible husband. You're an incredible friend. And you can usher and lead people into the presence like none other. But I want to, I want to take this responsibility off of you. Whether they get to heaven or hell, whether they reach Jesus by their hands lifted up in worship is not your responsibility. I want you to know that. Your responsibility is to live your life for the Lord and let it come out in song. That's it. People will follow. You don't have to cheerlead every day. People are going to follow. They'll see your heart. I'm not a worship leader or even a good worship leader simply because I can sing or because I can play. It's because I'm, I'm dysfunctional and I'm transparent. <laughs> and I'm genuine. That's it. As David said, I want to be a man after God's own heart. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's who you are. A woman after God's own heart. Let's stand together just briefly. And I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Josh. Let's stand to our feet if you would. We're going to have a time of worship and prayer and I wanted you to know that the storms of life, they shape us. And unfortunately, in society, the storms of life will label us. 
but the storms of life do not identify us. What you've done is not who you are. What Christ has done has made us who we are. He died for us. He died for your insecurity. He died for your sin. He died for your fear. He died for your inadequacy. He died for your regret. He died for your dysfunction. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. And I want you to know this. Whoever it was that did this to you, he died for them too. Yes. Yes. I don't know what it is. I don't know who it is. But whatever pain you're carrying, yes. they qualify for God's grace as well. So, Lord, we declare today that if the stars were made to worship, then so will I. Yes. Yes. If the mountains sing your praises, Lord, then so will I. Yes. Lord, if the rocks cry out, then so will I. And Lord, from this moment on, the storms that we have allowed to shape us and label us, Lord, we cast it aside. The reputations that have overwhelmed us, we cast aside. And may our reputation now be we are set free. We live in victory. We live in joy. We're saved. We're sanctified. We're filled with your Holy Spirit. We're the best moms. We're the best dads. We're the best human beings. We're the best friends. We're the best husbands. We're the best wives. We are children of yours, Lord. We're no longer separated by denomination. We're no longer separated by skin color. We're no longer separated by even experience. Our experience is that you saved us. So tether all of our hearts together because you've saved us collectively, yet individually. We praise you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Let's all gather around the front if you could. He's going to lead us into some worship, and then we're going to begin to pray tonight. Amen. Plenty of room up front if you could just spread across the front here. Worship the Lord. Lord, turn his 
face toward you and give you peace. Sing that again. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lord turn him Sings that again. Would you lift your hands as a sign of worship? Be upon you. 
And would you pray in the Holy Spirit tonight? Or in English? But let the Holy Spirit pray through you right now. Hallelujah. Begin to sing a new song to the Lord. Would you lift your voice up to the Lord tonight? Magnify his name. May his blessings go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing.
Pastor Bear continues to play, we're going to pray over our prayer points that we've been praying over for two years. And so um, me and Pastor Bear agreed that it would be appropriate for us just to continue to pray over that this week. And so I want you to stretch your hands towards the screen as they have these eight points. This is what we've been praying for every Wednesday night for two years. And we're not going to stop now. Amen. How many believes that God answers prayers? Come on, say, how many believes that God answers prayers? Amen. Would you help me pray right now? Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have gathered in your name today. We lift up these petitions and requests to you. But before we do, Lord, we want to tell you how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, and we thank you for all that you've done. And even if you don't answer these, it's still okay with you. It's still okay with us. Because you are our treasure. You're the one that we seek for. You're the one that we love. You're the one that our hearts desires. These things that we lift up to you, we understand that we're broken and we can't answer them. We can't. We're limited. We're handicapped. And we run to you, Lord, as your child. We acknowledge that you are the Father. We present these needs to you tonight. We're dependent upon you. Forgive us, Lord, that we've tried to do it ourselves. Forgive us that we've tried to make it happen. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for any competition. Make us humble. Break us and mold us and shape us into the people that you've called us to be. We pray that your plan and that your purpose would be accomplished here at this church. We say yes to it. We pray that you would build it, Lord, and we would be obedient. We ask that there would be a spiritual awakening at Christ Point. The city of Galena and the four-state region, we pray that the blinders on people's eyes would be lifted, that they may come to their senses, that you bring them to a place of confession and repentance, that the Holy Spirit would do a transformative work in their life. But God, let it start here at Christ Point and let it spread to the four-state region. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Open the windows of heaven over this church, over this region, and do it again. Let the rain of your presence come once again, Lord. We render our hearts, not our garments. We submit to you, Lord. Father, our systems, structures, and strategies, Lord, we just don't want to do it just to do it, but help us, oh God, to do what you want us to do so that we can help build a fully committed disciples of you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to put the pieces together that you want us. We pray, Father, for spiritual growth. We pray that you would raise up men and women who are strong in the faith, committed to the faith, people who have a desire for you, Lord, committed to the truth of the scriptures. Thank you that every seat is filled because you're the one that goes after, Lord, not just the 99, but also the one that's left the flock. 
Thank you for finances and resources. Thank you for what you've already done. We thank you. Thank you, Father, that you're raising up tithers and extravagant givers and unexpected resources to build your kingdom, your kingdom. Thank you for favor with the assemblies of God. Thank you, Father, for wisdom in our leadership, that we would be Godward, that we walk uprightly before you, Lord, that the decisions that we make be decisions that would honor and please you. Pray that we would be a missional church of a heart for the world. God, we pray for even tomorrow night and Wednesday night that your presence may be present, that our hearts would be open to receive. We pray for this Sunday service, Lord. As we gather Sunday morning and Sunday night, we pray for the Shekinah presence of the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts that we would hear your word, that souls would be converted, that righteousness would be executed. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that you are a God that hears and answers prayers. We thank you that the demonic forces of the enemy is, is bound, is rebuked and brought to no effect. And we thank you that the glory of God shall be risen over this place. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Satan has no jurisdiction over this church or these people. God, God is welcome here. His presence is the stamp of approval. We ask for your presence, Lord. We ask that you would come once again. And we thank you that you are a God that hears your people when we pray. It's your very nature. If you believe that we serve a God that's everlasting to everlasting, that his ears are open to the prayers of his people, I want this place to erupt in a praise and a hallelujah. Come on, bless his name. Come on, bless his name tonight. If you believe he's a great God, give him a great praise tonight. Come on, Pastor Bear, sing it one more time. Hallelujah. All around you. 
step forward. Say, Pastor, I need prayer tonight. I need someone to agree with me. If you can just stand right here. Amen. The care team, would you come forward, please? Amen. As we sing it again, if you need prayer, would you come quickly? Amen.
to say something to us tonight. Hallelujah. Would you ask the Spirit to say something to us? He wants to speak.
just right where you're standing. Some of you have been identified by your past, by your past hurts. And I feel the Spirit is saying, it's time to change your clothes. Take the clothes off that represents the hurt, the insecurities, the fear, the what-ifs, the what-could-have-been. There's new garments for you. Say, Pastor, how do I do that? You can't do that. It's something only the Lord can do. But you can start tonight by being receptive. Say, Lord, I don't want to be in control anymore. I want to be under control. And some of us have been so in control of our lives that we haven't yet learned to be under control. I don't want to be in control any longer. I want to be under control. Hallelujah. One last time with uplifted hands. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, how, how I, I trust you. How I prove you all and Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Shout of praise tonight.